Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. What the hell is this? Agent Denham, that is a 1963 Ferrari 250 GT Lusso, owned and raced by the coolest cat who ever lived, Steve McQueen. This was his baby, and now it's my baby. You got Steve McQueen's car parked in your living room? And here I thought you were an asshole. I paid a million for it 10 years ago. I wouldn't sell it for 10 times that. We're 65 stories up. How do we get out of here? You don't. This car was taken apart piece by piece and reassembled inside this room. Well, this car will eventually be sold at auction with the rest of your belongings. Only if I'm guilty, Agent Denham, which I'm not. And now... Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Button up my sleeve. Presto! <laughs> no doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. This is Alan Decadenay, elderly racer and raconteur, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Running your computer in Google Tantalk, 1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, you can check out our archive page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. How about Tommy? You're still hiding behind the COVID-2020 window there. Yes, I'm very well. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're very well. Just got an important message from the president of the company. Oh, he did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, that was the secretary. <laughs> that was. A, oh, okay. Well, at any rate, um, I thought you got one of those letters from the president of the United States too. Yeah, got one of those too. But at any rate, that's uh, for Bill's show. Which, by the way, <laughs> myfellow.com, promo code Bill. <laughs> yeah. All right, we got an exciting show for you this evening. In fact, we got a very special guest coming on. Um, he may be on the road, so this ought to be kind of an interesting show because uh, um, this is a very, very, very serious car guy and uh, very notable guy in the in the industry. Now, ordinarily today, we would be coming off Monterey Collector Car Week. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't have it due to the COVID 2020 thing or whatever you want to call that. But nonetheless, car guys all over the country are uniting. And the thing that's really interesting, and I have to go and look up some of this stuff, but we're over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some people on that were generally part of the crew. It's because it's like a big family when you go to Monterey. When you go to Monterey or when you go to Scottsdale or when you go to Amelia Island or SEMA or you know St. John's, Michigan or any of these big major events, you, there's always a certain group of guys that show up there that are car guys that are either like myself uh, in the industry where either car dealers or uh, appraisers or journalists or uh, uh, film people or just you know well-known noted car guys that have just pretty some pretty amazing collections and obviously the auction people and everything like that so it you, you develop this relationship these camaraderies with these people you know no different than you have camaraderies when you hang out at the local car shows with a lot of these guys so that's kind of, you know, like we always get together and some of these guys go to like uh, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 events a year. I go to maybe four of them that are, you know, across the country and then maybe, you know, a number of local ones in the state. So, 
But the, the cool thing is we all stay in contact and we're all on board. But a lot of these guys have been doing, and what's really hot, and Bobby, you're probably in tune with this because this is more along the line of you, you techie guys, is they're doing a lot of these video virtual car shows. So um, I've been watching a lot of those, and we're going to talk about maybe one or two of those this evening. Um, pretty cool stuff. But anyway, so Bobby, you want to do a Florida Car Shows minute here for us real quick? Yes. Um, FLACarshows.com. FLACarshows.com is the place to go. Whether there's car shows or there's not car shows, it's still the place to go because they have all kinds of other informative uh, car, car information and videos and news and whatever you can use. Yeah, news um, you can use. News you can use is all found on flacarshows.com. And about all and the virtual events. car shows, too. And virtual, and virtual car shows is kind of like the, the like end we thing for the time thing. I hope this is short-lived, though, because uh, the virtual car show things is okay. But here's what's weird. This weekend, not weird, but the, the, tomorrow... Starts Meekum's auction, right. collector car auction. Well, actually, starts Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Of course, yes. we will be there, yours truly, and my uh, Nostalgic Radio and Cars team. Right. We will be there, and uh, we're really, really excited about that. I want to thank my friends over there at Meekum's. They do a great job. A thousand cars at Kissimmee. What's the name of the place, Bobby? Uh, Osceola Heritage Park. Okay, and that's in, in Kissimmee, uh, eastern just Kissimmee. Just outside of Kissimmee, yep, not south Osceola County, Florida. Or central, I guess that would be. <laughs> is that off 192? Is that what yep, that is? Yep, right off of US 192, yep. or um, I forget the name of that that road, but it's got a... Sounds like Norval Bryant, but it's something similar to that. Okay. Anyway, so that's where we'll be hanging out Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Now, probably, I'm not sure, but uh, you guys know that I do appraisals and stuff like that. And uh, I do some work for a very well-known museum i'll reveal that at a later date but anyway they've got a car up there that i'm probably going to have to go up there and appraise it's a 1955 austin healy 106 ripley's no 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 not that one <laughs> <laughs> although we should be in ripley's believe it or not because believe it or not we've been on the air 10 years plus right so yeah yeah see what do you think about that at any rate so uh i may be going up here to uh, alabama to go check out a car for them and that may take place so that may change my schedule just a little bit but i'm looking forward to that because uh uh, pretty cool. Like last week, I mentioned to you guys that I was down here and I had to do a appraisal on a 1957 Chevrolet two-door post car. Really, really nice old car. Nice driver. So, you know, here's the thing. Get out and drive. But here's what's, here's what's interesting is because of this COVID-19 thing, unfortunately, there's a lot of people in other industries that are mostly service hospitality industries that are not doing as well and theater. Okay, I might add. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is the construction industry is going crazy. Oh, yeah. The automobile industry is doing so-so, but the collector car aspect is going crazy. I have been trying to get a set of seats reupholstered here for one of our cars for about the last six, seven weeks, and these guys are months out. So the body shops are slammed right now. They're doing collector cars. The service-oriented people are slammed, and the parts companies are doing record business. Now, next week, I think i got to find out exactly when the dates are, but Ocala Ford... I think it's next weekend, and we'll announce it next week on our show because we're before that. But next week in Ocala, Ocala Ford's doing a Shelby American meet. So they're going to have the new Shelby, and I think there's going to be a ton of vintage Shelbys there. I'm not sure, but I think that MPD, which is National Parts Depot, our good friends up there in Ocala, may be involved in some of the sponsorship and may bring some cars out there. And, of course, yours truly will be there, mm -hmm. naturally, since I'm one of the state reps for the Shelby American Club, and I own a Shelby or two. Yeah. Anyway, so having but you really got to hand it to Meekum for uh, for creating a plan that you know, you know, it's only been them and the theme parks that have gotten approved to do an event like that. So that's pretty amazing. Go, definitely go back and listen to our show with John Kremen uh, to. Uh, to uh, hear what what you need what you need to know and what you can expect when you get there. That's and, the best way to find and, out. And here's the thing. And I used to not quite get this, but now I do. And now I'm telling you, it's definitely worth it. Since we haven't been able to go to a lot of car shows, mm -hmm. and in the past, John's always said, and, and Dave and Dana and everybody like that, and Frank, they've always said, you know, Meekums is not just an auction. We're an amazing car show. And quite mm -hmm. frankly, since a lot of us can't go to car shows, and there aren't a lot of car shows, here's an opportunity to see a thousand cars. It Kissimmee, it's not that far to drive. It's only an hour and a half, let's say two hours on the high side. And you can actually see a thousand cars. And chances are there's going to be tons and tons of people there that you know and tons and tons of new people that you're going to meet, right? On that note, I think what we're going to do is... Uh, what did we want to hear first? It was, I don't know. Music? That was, that was, that was Buffalo Springfield. First, but let's right? play a little Buffalo Springfield. Yeah. 
for what it's worth. Now, there's a connection here. There was a connection at the very beginning of the show, and there's a connection. Because keep in mind, all our shows always tie in with our guests, ultimately. So, hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Here's a little 60s Buffalo Springfield for what it's worth. You tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't touch that dial, because Tommy is going to drop the needle in the groove. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down There's battle lines being drawn Nobody's right if everybody's wrong Young people speaking their minds Are getting so much resistance From behind Every time we stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down What a field day for the heat A thousand people in the street Singing songs and carrying signs Mostly say hooray for our side It's time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Come enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Okay, we're back, and you tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. All right, okay, so, uh, yes, uh, let's talk about appraisals for a second, real quick. So then, basically, when I do my appraisals, you know, a lot of times people wonder, well, how do I come up with my values? All my appraisals include, okay, whether it's a diminished value, whether it's a total loss, whether it's some, just a regular appraisal, evaluation of any kind, I always include comparables, and you have to do that. That basically supports and substantiates how you come up with your number. Now, you know, you can't just arbitrarily go and pick a pick a car out of a magazine and it's and or, or a car that you see someplace that's sold and it's advertised. It needs to be a completed sale. So, believe it or not, I actually use eBay completed sales as a reference. Sometimes, I use Hemmings Motor News uh, to get some information every once in a while. I use my two favorite because I used to write for them, which is Sports Car Market and American Car Collector. Now, these are probably the two foremost. Um, magazine when it comes to values and talking about you know like they're very influential in the collector car world and uh, and and I was an auction analysis writer so when you're an auction analysis writer you actually learn things in the trade because my job is to go to the auctions actually look at the car so I can actually tell you hey this is a number one car this is a number three car this is a trailer queen this is something that's really should not be on the road and this one's really really nice this is a great driver survivor or this is a bondo bucket so that's when I, when you do your appraisals you got to understand why there's a big spread in the car why for example 57 chevrolet okay or whether it's a 65 mustang why is the car worth 20 why is this one worth 50 why is this one worth 10 why is this one worth 30 and that's where experience comes in and you only get that experience from experience i mean you can only make those assertions okay so you know a lot of guys will sit there and they go well my car's worth 50 grand because i got fifty thousand dollars in it but if the level of the work is not worth fifty thousand dollars and doesn't look that good you just have another shiny car is what you have it's what's underneath that's important anyway on that note i think what we're going to do 
is we're going to go ahead and fire up the stereo again, the turntable, as soon as Tommy gets off the phone, because he's got a very, very important phone call. Uh, <laughs> and now there's no prizes. And now there's no prizes, no prizes. We didn't get any prizes. We didn't get any radio show giveaways. But Tommy, I think just for giggles, let's go ahead, not just for giggles, for real, let's go ahead and fire up the stereo, and let's go ahead and call our guest. Because we've got a really exciting individual coming on. I'm delighted as heck to have this guy on here. And he knows a ton about cars, okay? So tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars every week, but especially tune back in in 10, 15 minutes. No, 10, 15 seconds, something like that. Anyway, listen to music. Here was a little uh, animals down in Monterey, since we're not in Monterey. Hey, you're tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We'll touch that down. We'll be right back. Yes, it did. Music being born of love Children dance night and day Religion must be informed Down in Monterey The birds and the airplane did fly Oh, airplane did fly Shanknaw's music made me cry The hoop exploded into fire and light You Masugela's music was black as night Images of driving pleasure, sporty, stylish cars that are at home in the city or out on a twisty road. These are cars with a racing pedigree that can still be felt in today's road machines. They're produced by a company where heritage is important. To understand today's Alfa Romeos, one must step back into the past. These Italian icons were forged in the crucible of racing. Alfa Romeos have taken part in competitions since the company was founded in 1910. The company, Antonima Lombardo Fabrica Automobili, or Alfa, took the cars right from its factory in Milan to the track. Racing wins helped to sell cars. As World War I began, Alfa joined the group of companies controlled by industrialist Nicola Romeo. In 1955, the Giulietta made its debut. This small two-door car put Alfa's heart and passion back on the road. While they may not have been able to compete with Ferraris on the track, the car's design could hold its own when parked beside one. Some of the best design firms in Italy, Pininfarina, Bertoni and Zagato, created distinctive bodies for the car. These cars always looked like they were going fast, even when standing still. The Giuliettas were great image builders for the company. They embodied the exuberant Italian spirit that showed a certain fondness for life. Whether in the city or out on the open road, they compelled you to run flat out. If you love classic cars, then Donald loves you. Hi, it's Donald Osborne, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. 
Okay, we're back. And you're tuned into Nostalgic Creative Cars. I'm delighted to introduce my very special guest for the evening. This gentleman is the editor and publisher of two of my favorite magazines, Sports Car Market and American Car Collector. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, On the Road with Keith Martin. Keith, how you doing, buddy? I am doing great, and it's a real treat to be on the show. Thank you for asking me. So, uh, you are concerned a little bit about wind noise. Are you driving, and where are you driving? No, I'm I'm riding a bicycle, oh. and I was out for an afternoon ride, and I thought I'll just stop and talk to Robert now. Oh, okay, that works. <laughs> Super. I mean, you sent me that picture of that beautiful Jag, so I thought, well, gee whiz, he's out uh, you know, having a great time in those wonderful roads up there in Oregon, uh, tooling around in a Jaguar. Well, you know, I just went to the coast uh, uh, Saturday. It was a beautiful day, and I bought a... Uh, a modern car for me, a 2004, uh, 2004 Mercedes SL55, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I have to say, as much as I love old cars, there's something pretty nice about a retractable hardtop. Yeah, well, I hear it rains a lot in Oregon, so that comes in handy? Uh, we don't call it rain, we call it liquid sunshine. Liquid sunshine, oh, yeah, they tell us that in Florida, too, especially this time <laughs> of year. So, Keith, give us a little background. I did not know, and I was reading your bio a little bit. I understand you have a theatrical background as well. Uh, yeah, I was a professional ballet dancer, and I studied at the Juilliard School in New York, uh, danced there. I founded the first professional ballet company in Portland. So, Robert, my two passions have been uh, dance uh-huh. and, and uh, classic sports cars. Excellent, excellent. Well, that's good. Um, so tell us how the sports car thing happened for you. Well, I think all of us uh, of a certain age grew up reading Road and Track and Car and Driver, and we'd wait each month for that issue to arrive at the corner drugstore and go read it, and somehow I just got enraptured with little classic British sports cars. The day I turned 16, uh, at 8 a.m., I got my license, and half an hour later, I bought a Bug Eye Sprite for $30. $30. Wow. That had to have been in the yeah. 70s. Uh, yeah, I overpaid for it. <laughs> well, I got a really good friend of mine, Alan, who's listening right now, and he had a bug eye for a long time. My first car was, believe it or not, was an MK3, and I paid $475 for it. Wow. You're for, a big spender. I was a big spender. Well, now, wait a minute. I was making $1.18 an hour in 1972. So. Yeah, I remember. I remember I remember a dollar and a quarter an hour minimum wage. <laughs> so then... So here's what's interesting. Here, you're probably one of the most foremost, foremost automotive journalists in the country, and you don't have a journalist background, then, do you? I mean, I mean, um, from, from 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 an academic standpoint. So you're no, you're, that's right. I went to Reed College uh, as a history major. Uh huh. So I studied history there and started dancing, and then left Reed to go to Juilliard. But I've never had a formal background in journalism, although I have an enormous amount of respect for people that do. So let's talk about your magazine. The sports car market's been around, I know, 20-some-odd-plus years that I know of, 25, and I used to write for you. I used to be one of your auction analysis reporters. And I think yeah, you'd... And, and, uh, American Car Collector came about right about when I first started writing for you, about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago? Uh-huh. Uh, 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 sports car market's been around 34 years. Oh, 34, okay. Uh, and uh, I, I think it was 88 that we started it. Um, and it started off as the Alfa Romeo market letter because Alfa Romeos were kind of always my favorite cars. And there was a Ferrari market letter, a Maserati market letter, a Pantera market letter, a Mustang market letter, but there was no Alfa market letter. So I put an ad in Hemmings that said, subscribe to the Alfa Romeo market letter and, uh, and learn about where cars are for sale all over the U.S. We got clippers from all the major cities to cut out the ads from their newspapers for Alfa Romeos that were for sale and mail them to us. And then they would put all those together into our little uh, Alfa Romeo market letter. Now, is this something that started out in your garage, so to speak? Yeah, my, yeah, my, my garage with a uh, mimeograph machine. <laughs> mimeograph machine. There's I one. know. Who knows what that is anymore? Well, that's like saying telex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I remember doing that back in the 80s. We used to send some information to Germany, and it would be a telex, via telex. Yep, yep. So then, where did your vast amount of automotive background and experience come with 
come from and then how did it evolve into sports car market as far as you know collectively to what it is today well i've, I've always loved classic sports cars and i started uh, going to auctions when we started the uh, magazine and i guess you could say i was kind of self-taught by a total immersion i mean it, it, when the magazine first started i did all the writing all the editing all the photography all the typesetting the whole nine yards um then it it, it it just became you know, I was around cars all day long every day and it just kind of uh, sunk in I guess so like were you also kind of a, like a wrench on the cars I mean did you tinker a lot with the cars too as well as you know be fascinated with them as far as driving and stuff as well well when I was a, a, a semi mechanic I uh, what when I after I graduated from high school I stayed out a year to earn money to pay for my tuition at Reed and I worked as a mechanic for a team called Rubber Chicken Racing. <laughs> Rubber Chicken Racing, okay. You know, uh, that was Hillary Lugenbuehl's team. And I was, uh, and they raced an F-Production Alpha, a G-Production Alpha, uh, B-Production Corvette, and a D-Sports Racing Saab. And I worked on all of them. So this would have been uh, SCCA Sports Car Racing slash Trans Am yeah. Racing or something like that? Okay. Yeah, SCCA uh, uh Amateur racing. Okay. Were you behind the wheel at times? No. I Well, I, I vintage raced later, maybe 20 years later. I had a, a Julietta Spider Veloce that I raced and, and that I enjoyed. Um, but I, it really, the, the problem I had with vintage racing is the magazine kept growing and I kept traveling more and more. And I couldn't get enough seat time to get better at it. And, and with racing especially, you need to keep doing it to keep your edge up and to get better so okay so then you focus more and more on the on the publication tell us them you know because i know you i i see at all the events and obviously because i've you know we we're all friends and we have a this camaraderie you know and of course typically you know we run into each other at uh you know boca at amelia at monterey scottsdale places like that and so i was mentioning earlier on the show that we, it's almost like a big giant family, this camaraderie that we have. You know, we there's people like yourself that are very immersed into it, and you're at almost all the major events, and you're, you know, an MC, you're a spokesperson, um, and then there's guys like myself that show up to about four or five events a year, but but equally as passionate about the 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 field and and the events as well. And of course, now with this COVID thing, you know, there hasn't been a lot of uh, events that we can go to, so you know, a lot of stuff's been done virtually. And I was just commenting earlier on the show that ordinarily we would be coming off Monterey this week, a beautiful collector car week time for all of us. And then today we'd probably be hanging out at the Black Hawk Museum in, in, uh, over in Oakland, or on the other side of the bay there. And uh, So here we are, we're, all, we're sitting on, you're in uh, Portland on a bicycle, and I'm sitting here in Clearwater in the studio behind a mic. <laughs> yeah, you know, the world, none of us could have imagined. If I, if Robert, if you and I had been talking last January, and I said, well... Robert, I, I think they're going to cancel Pebble Beach this week, this year. You would have told me I was out of my mind. Yep. I. So. Go ahead. No, I just said we. None of us could have foreseen this particular epidemic that has caused such a total shutdown of every kind of mass gathering. Well, now this weekend in uh, it's actually starting on Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is Meekum's auction. They're doing their auction in Kissimmee this year. They're doing a, th uh, which is unusual, um, this time of year, and they're doing a thousand cars. And of course, uh, I was, we're going to be over there covering that auction. And I commented earlier on the show that, you know, since we haven't been able to go to a lot of car shows, and I never really looked, I don't, didn't look at a. Uh, at an auction as a car show, but this is really an opportunity for people to go and gather, see a thousand cars, really cool stuff, and then just kind of experience the whole uh, car show thing, but with an auction, kind of like as a uh, byproduct, so to speak. And uh, so, do you know, is Dana going to have? Is there going to be a live audience there? Uh, from my understanding, there's going to be a live audience. Yeah, and when we had we had John Kramer on the show the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago, and we discussed all the parameters. You know, the face mask, the the all the parameters that they're setting to ensure safety for everybody, and uh, yep. you know, dis social distancing and stuff like that. But yet still allow everybody to have a good time. Uh, you know, experience the auction and 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 buy and sell some cars. I think that's great. I, they should be able to do it. You know, it's uh, 
I mean, it, I'm not a, a, a doctor or a scientist, but it, it seems to me that most of the danger with this virus is when you get a lot of people together in an indoor space. Mm-hmm. Well, now, what, what they did this time, and uh, my understanding, is they basically have what normally would be standing room for people. They basically, uh, and, you know, like where bidders would always be up on the stage, they basically set it up so that they've got these tables, and everybody sits at these tables now. So you either push buttons or raise your hand or have your card there or whatever it is, and then still people are going to be up in the bleachers. But the Osceola Heritage Park there where, they, where this event takes place is huge, so there's a lot of seating area. And uh, so, but there's no telling how many people are there. They don't really know how many people are actually going to show up. Obviously, it's going to be televised as well. So I will be there, and we'll be giving firsthand, uh, you know, play by play. I guess the following week on our radio show, just to let everybody know what uh, what took place. So I'm I'm excited about it myself. Well, Robert, I want to go back for a second. You talked sure. about uh, the auction being kind of like a car show, and I have always felt that auctions are car shows. You just happen to be able to buy the merchandise that's on display. Good point. Good point. Now, you, you've you've had a lot of experience with cars, and you've traveled a lot, and our listeners love hearing stories. So what I'd like you to do is share a couple of special stories, you know, some unique stories, because I know, and I played that little clip about Alfa Romeo, and I played another little clip earlier, because generally when I do my show, I kind of tailor it around the guests, and I know you love Alphas, and I actually like Alphas uh-huh. myself. So tell, share some stories with us about some of your cars, you know, how you get your family involved, uh, some of the un- interesting people that you met along the way, and, you know, relationships and things like that, because I think that's fascinating, and it's basically another way of proliferating our hobby. Well, I will tell you that my daughter, Alexandra, who's now 29, when she was, I think, 16 or 17, I had an Alfa Romeo Julia Super, which is a four-door sedan. She took two of her girlfriends, and she drove from Portland down to Eureka, uh, which is, you know, several hundred miles. It was the Monterey weekend, so I'm in Monterey, and I'm uh, uh, at Pebble Beach, and I get a phone call from my daughter. She said, Dad, there's something green and sticky leaking onto my feet. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, I'm... Uh, at Pebble Beach, what do you want me to do about it? Uh, and, and she said, well, why don't we FaceTime? So so there she is FaceTiming me, this Alfa Romeo that had uh, blown its heater core and was puking its guts out while I'm in at Pebble. She gets the car started, gets it back to Eureka where they uh, bypass the heater, uh, but it's, it's lost enough fluid at that point that it's overheated and popped its head gasket. Oh. But she gets it all the way home. The starter goes out. She and her two girlfriends have to push start the car every time they get gas. But she's talked about that being a trip that she'll never, ever forget. You know, because she had the car, it blew up on her, she brought it back to life, she nursed it home. And it's a great success story. Well, you know, and, that's, and, and, and she was how old at the time? Uh, 16, I think. Okay, so she had a lot of influence and a lot of experience hanging around with Dad, so she kind of knew almost what she had to do, and then all you do, basically, is just kind of uh, coached her along. Well, she was used to having to push cars, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, now, I would jokingly say, because we've had a number of British cars over the years, and I have a little MGB GT that we drive on a regular basis that my son likes, and he's young, too. And, uh, yeah, we've, we, and we've had some triumphs, and we've pushed our share of British cars around. And, uh, you know, with the notable uh, or noted uh, Lucas wiring issues. Well, you know, recently uh, I bought a 71 Jag uh, E-Type B12. And so I decided I would drive that to the coast uh, with my son. And we, I have another, uh, I have a 65 Volvo 122 uh, that we thought, well, uh, my daughter and her boyfriend, Alex and Ross, will drive the Volvo and I will drive the uh, Jag. They're both all set up they've had no problems they're reliable so when we get to the coast first of all the entire rear exhaust system of the car falls to the ground oh the 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 hangers had rotted away or something it didn't it didn't hurt the the exhaust system but she had to go to a local hardware store and buy some uh some wire bailing wire and pair of pliers to twist it with so she get the exhaust system back up and then on the way back from the coast, the Jag, uh, the Volvo started running on three cylinders, and the Jaguar started overheating. And my, my daughter turned to me, she said, Dad, Dad, like, when are you going to get reliable cars? 
Well, that's part of the 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 allure of these cars is you know the the fact that they have these characteristics and you know something that they were kind of like manufactured with as we jokingly say you know if you buy a jaguar you need two you need a spare one for the shop and one to drive and then how it works and same thing well robert what people people forget sometimes these are really old cars by yes now. they're over 50 years old uh, if you went back to coventry to the factory and you went to the mechanics at the time you said well 50 years from now what do you think the problem areas will be in this jaguar they would look at you like you were nuts <laughs> well, now you got this new car, this new Mercedes that has a retractable top. So how uh, how are you enjoying that? Well, I just put uh, over two thousand miles on it. I took my son from here to uh, Yellowstone National Park, where we went uh, camp, luxury camping, glamping for a week. The, the trip took us from Portland up to uh, Coeur d'Alene, from Coeur d'Alene to Yellowstone, from Yellowstone to Jackson Hole, Jackson Hole to um, Boise, uh, Boise to Bend, Oregon, and then uh, Bend, Oregon to home. I have to say that new cars are pretty remarkable. I mean, the SL55 was an AMG car, and it, it, they're fully depreciated supercars. It's a 500-horsepower car. Uh, they were over a buck and a quarter new. They're, this car was $24,000. It's got 45,000 miles on it. It's perfect. It's it's, uh, it's an extraordinary experience to cruise along at 125 miles an hour uh, and and have the car be as smooth as ice. And you're not, if I'd been in the Jaguar, I would have been staring at the temperature gauge and the oil pressure gauge every single second, just afraid. <laughs> While we're on the subject of cars, collector cars, new cars, old cars, let's talk a little bit about, um, let's go back to the sports car market and American car collector. Sports car market yeah. is more foreign car oriented which you and i both are and then american car collected is geared more toward the american car guy whether it's a mid-50s classics uh, early uh, post-war car a muscle car or you know modern day classics so from that perspective tell us a little bit about how your publications basically you know they're so you have guys like me that are auction analysis reporter. We go out there and we look at the cars, we pick cars, we write a story about them, we write a description, and then we write a summary on the car. And then you also have special features. Tell us about some of the special features of some of the cars in sports car market and then some of the cars in the American Car Collector and how you feel that that's going to, you know, where the market's going a little bit. Well, let me let me take a second, Robert, to do a shameless plug here for okay. all of your listeners. Uh we can give them the deal of life on Sports Car Market right now. If they go to sportscarmarket.com slash Zoom, Z-O-O-M, they get a 25% discount, and that's the best price we've ever offered. It's $4.33 a month for SDM. Uh, every issue is over 140 pages. We've got the best writers in the industry, and they take specific cars that have sold them. They give you their opinion. They'll say, this was too much money. That was not enough money. The guy should have taken the bid. Uh, or this car used to be two cars that were welded into one. I mean, we pull no, punch, no, pull no punches and we tell the truth. We talk about the cars the way you and I would talk about them. If you and I were at the Mecham auction and we were walking by a 55 T-Bird, and let's say the door fit on the passenger side wasn't so good, you and I would stop and look at it. i say, Robert, what do you think about this? you say, I don't know, maybe it was hit here. But we'd, we'd, chat, we'd chat the same way in the magazine about the condition of the cars. We use that chat to help uh, explain why the car brought the price that it did. Exactly. And so, like I said, the sports car market is is the foreign cars. So where do you think, and what? And I made an observation here. I, it's What's interesting is, in from the foreign car side, I think the market actually is pretty strong, and this COVID-19 has kind of had a weird effect because it actually has not had a negative effect on the classic car market, particularly with sports cars. It's actually had a positive effect because, I don't know, people are collecting for some reason. And then it's doing the same thing on the American car collector side with American cars. Is that your observation as well? Um, I kind of yes and no. I think uh, there's a major demographic shift going on in the collector car market as older people kind of age out of the market. Like shoebox Chevys, uh, 55, 56, 57, uh, have dropped significantly from their peaks of five or six years ago. Okay. It's kind of like everybody who really wanted to have one got one. That's true. So that, 
that part of the market is not real hot. What's hot for American cars, uh, resto mods continue to be really strong. I, I have to confess, I don't really understand resto mods because if you want a modern car, uh, do like I did and just buy one. It, there's something funny to me about grafting modern suspension and brakes and air conditioning and all that stuff onto, say, a 56 Mercury Montclair. <laughs> the world loves them. I've been going, I've been going to Barrett Jackson for 34 years, and and Barrett Jackson certainly defines the market for resto mod. That's you, yes. The um, couple of shows that you were involved with. You did a show here a while back called, I think, uh, "What's My Car Worth." That's right, Donald Osborne and I did that. Yeah, talk. Tell us a little bit about those. Give us a a, a special episode story. Well, it, it was a. Uh, it was a lot of fun because we would uh, examine a car and have an owner there, and we'd be at an auction, and we would uh, ask the owner what he thought the car was going to bring, and then uh, we would predict what we thought it was going to bring, and then we'd stand back and watch and see who was closer. So, on an average, how close were you? Um, I was usually, Donald and I were usually a little closer than the owners, but that's because owners tend to be pretty optimistic when they're at an auction. That's true. That's true. And then that show was aired for how many seasons? How long did you do that one? I think it was eight seasons. Uh, Velocity had a, a change in programming and a change in budgeting, and they uh, they really are focusing on what I call build shows. Right. You know, we're gonna we're, we're gonna take a an old piece of crap car and make it wonderful and surprise you. Um, and so that there just wasn't room in their budget for a show like ours. Well, the one thing I liked about your show, which I enjoyed, and uh, was because it gives people an idea of see what values really are like, you know. And then here you have two experts, yourself and Donald, and uh, you know, I mean, and and how close you really were. So you know, which we talk about this all the time. And as as an appraiser, which I also am, you know, I tell people, I said, just because you've got fifty, sixty thousand dollars in a car doesn't mean the car's worth fifty, sixty thousand dollars. You know, you you can take a sixty-five Mustang coupe and spend fifty grand and still worth twenty grand. Well, and just because somebody else got eighty grand for their sixty-five Mustang doesn't mean yours was worth eighty grand. This is true. This is true. Yeah. Uh, you're involved in another show right now. You're involved with a podcast with uh, a good friend of ours, mutual friend, Mark Green. So tell us about that show. Uh, it's called Buy, Sell, Hold, and what we do is we talk uh, each week with a different noted collector, and we ask them to tell us the stories about three cars that have made a difference in their life. One car that they bought one car that they've sold and one car that they'll never ever let go of and it's pretty interesting to hear people just speak from the heart about about a car for instance that they bought that just changed their lives okay so now i'm going to pose the question to you of the three cars that you bought which one would you buy which one would you sell and which one had the biggest impact on your life You know, it's, it's easier for me to ask that question than to answer it. Really fair. <laughs> well, um, I, you know, I would, go ahead. I'd say, Robert, that uh, I've got a few cars that I'm really attached to, but I, the car that that has the most emotional valence to me is my 67 Duetto. I had one when I was a junior in college when I was 19 years old. And that movie, that car and the movie The Graduate just... Um, made me crazy for duettos for all time. So for our listeners, we're talking about a 67 Alfa Romeo Spider, boat tail spider, right? Right, exactly. And the production uh, on that was what, 66, 67, 68, and 69? Uh, 60 in, 66 to 67 uh, for, the, for the pure duetto. Uh, and they made, I want to say about a little over 3,000 of them, of the pure 67s. They were, uh, a, they were a different car in 69 when the next model kind of emerged. But oh, 67 is what the purists uh, call the Duetto. Okay. I also know that you're a fan of the GTVs or the GTAs, So, which was, yep. what, 65, 66, 67, 68, somewhere around uh, 69? 64 to 70, 63 maybe, 64 to 74. I had a 67 two-headlight GTV that I recently sold, but I just loved. I think Bertone did a beautiful body on those cars. Uh, both, but every year I lead a little group of people down the coast of Monterey, uh, from Portland to Monterey. We call it the Caravan de Concorso. We end up at Concorso Italiano. And I had the pleasure one year of driving my GTV with uh, designer Robert Cumberford 
I drove the duetto with somebody else. I drove the duetto one time. So I've had a chance to really take the alphas that I love and really use them going down the Pacific Coast Highway. Um, speaking of the Concorso, did I read that there's a Concorso Hall of Fame and you're a member of that now? I'm honored to say yes. I was uh, installed I probably six or seven years ago. Okay. Tell us about that. What all is, what, what is the qualifications to be involved in? Tell us a little bit about the Concorso Hall of Fame. Well, well I've been the MC for Concorso for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I that, I think that's what got me in. <laughs> you know, they, 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 were, they just got so used to seeing me, they said, well, let's just give them an award. Uh, <laughs> well, tell us uh, about the Hall of Fame, though. What, I mean, what's, it, what's it stand for? Well, it's, it's just Concorso's way of recognizing people who've made significant contributions to the Italian car hobby, the Italian car uh, really fetish almost. So, you know, Valentino Balbone is in there. Um, just people who've really made a difference. Speaking of people who've made a difference, um, you know, with names like Pininfarine, uh, Bertone, uh, Zagato, did you have the opportunity in all your years that you were involved in this to meet some of those people while they were still around, the ones that were... Uh um, uh, I've met the, the, the family, the, the children of Zagato, the children of Pinafrina, but I, I did not meet any of the founders. Okay. And when you when you met these people and you talked to them a little bit, were you able to to, to kind of reflect with them on, on some of the design and get some, inf- and some feedback from them? And how involved were they with their, let's say, their fathers, their elders' uh, contributions and, and designs? Well, I would I would say design is a constantly evolving thing, and so the you know the children of Zagato, the children of Pinafrina, the children of uh, Jaro, they are totally out there with modern, crest, crisp, fresh designs. They they respect the heritage uh, of, that their parents created, but but they live in a world of modernness, just like their families' cars. When, when the Julietta Spider was was introduced, it was a totally modern cutting-edge design. So, would you say, would it be fair to say that some of these people have maybe taken some inspiration and incorporated some retro styling in their modern-day designs? Well, I think there's no question about that, because they, the Italians have such a reverence for heritage. The um, the cars that had that make the, in terms of designers, that had the most impact on, on, on you, in other words, the ones that you kind of, you know, just like, it's like music, it's like theater, it's like ballet, um, which, who who had the most, uh, you know, impact on you as far as, like, stand out really as far as uh, uh, consistently with amazing designs? Well, I, you know, Alfa Romeo used Bertone, Zagato, and Pinaforino. Pinafrina used Bertone for the coupes generally, and the Pinafrina for the open cars, and Zagato for the special cars. I—that's a hard question to answer. I—I I would say that uh, Zagato has probably made the most striking cars. I've got a '71 uh, Junior Zagato that I just love. It's uh, striking, and it's—it's—it's um, uh, it's more visually appealing than the '67 GTV. Although I don't know. That it's really a better car. Okay. Uh, another question I'm going to ask you because you mentioned that you had a number of cars. Do you think there's a limit to car collectors owning a number of cars? Now, this is the one I get asked all the time, and because I was in the wrecking yard business and I had a bad habit of, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm going to hang on to that, and then I'd never finish it. Then I'd get another one. Oh, that's kind of cool. I'd hang on to that. Next thing I know, going back in my garage, I got ten cars piled up there. Not one of them run, but they're cool. They're cool to me. So. Give me your feedback on that. Yeah, I think that there's a, a practical limit. I've been up to as many as 20 cars. I'm down to maybe eight or nine now. Um, you, you can't drive them all. Uh, cars are like uh, bottles in a wine cellar. You know, if, I, if I'm on an Alpha Club tour, I want to take an Alpha. I've got a Lotus Elise. If I'm going on a Lotus Club thing, I want to take the Lotus. Um, uh, you, you have to... Each car... You have to decide when you're kind of done with it. So have you really extracted the essence of that car through use? Have you done enough events? Have you fiddled with it enough? Do you feel like you understand that car and that you've had a full ownership experience so that you can say goodbye to the car? Okay, that's good. Now, have you written an article to that effect? Uh, I have. I actually 
one of my columns in Sports Car Market uh, a few months ago talked about kind of the, what I called the five chapters of experiencing a car. The first one is when you kind of become aware of a car for the first time. Second one is hunting it down and buying it. Third one is doing whatever restoration you have to do. Fourth is really using the car. And then fifth is when it's time to pass it to the next caretaker. Okay. Now we've got a couple of minutes left. I have to ask you this question because this is the one that me and many of the uh, authoritative uh, gurus in the industry cannot seem to agree on, and it is survivor, preservation, leave it alone, restore it. When? Well, it depends on the, it depends on the car, Robert. I mean, that's uh, uh, I'm not a, a real fan of Concours where you deconstruct a car, erase all... Uh, erase all evidence that it's ever lived uh, and make it better than it was when it left the factory. I mean, think about this. If you saw a lineup of 30 300 SLs that were all perfect, uh, restored by Paul Russell, you'd be nitpicking as you walk down the, the row. If there were 30 unrestored Mercedes that were just in decent driving condition, it'd be a lot more fun to look at them because each car would tell you a different story by how the seats were worn, uh, how the sun visors looked, how the door fit was. So I'm much more interested in cars that show evidence of use. Uh, preservation, um, that's a complicated question. I, my Jaguar, my 71, has got 23,000 documented original miles on it. And I bought it that way. I didn't try to keep it low miles. It just happened to have low miles when I found it. Uh, now I've got a, and it's original paint, so I have an obligation with that car not to screw it up. If, if it were a car that had already been restored, I could kind of do anything I wanted to it. But since it's original, now I have some heritage there that, that I have to take responsibility for. That sounds... Okay, we're on the same page there. Now, since we're almost up against the clock, which we are, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody how they can find out more about Sports Car Market and American Car Collector and how they can go by getting a subscription. Well, thank you very much, Robert. You, American, you can find them both on the web, American Car Collector or Sports Car Market, uh, to get the deal of life for four thirty-three a month uh, for Sports Car Market. You go sportscarmarket.com forward slash Zoom, and that'll put you right into the sweet spot for uh, being the uh, getting the best deal of life on a subscription to Sports Car Market. But that's where to find us. Our podcast you can find anywhere. Buy, sell, hold. We have a new series of Zoom. Uh, Zoom presentations that are uh, called SCM Live, but all that stuff's on the website. Go to the website, subscribe to the magazine, uh, and I guarantee you your money back if you're not totally thrilled. Well, Keith, I want to thank you very, very much. We've been looking, we've been talking about doing this for years. I really am. I'm excited. I'm glad you came on the air. Um, I'm going to let you go back to ride your bike. And uh, again, thank you very much. I look forward to seeing it at the next, I'm not sure, major car event. But I'll tell you about, I'll keep you informed as uh, how Meekum turns out. Robert, I'm honored to be on the show. I'm glad we finally made it happen. Thank you very much for thinking of me. Thank you. I want to thank my very special guest, Keith Martin, publisher and editor of Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector. And I want to thank all my listeners for tuning into Nostalgia Radio Cars. Don't forget, check us out here every Tuesday night on the Tan Talk Radio Network between 7 and 8 p.m. right here. Tell your friends. Don't forget to check out our uh, podcast page, which is our archive page, which is Nostalgia Radio Cars. I want to see you guys at Meekum starting the next day, next day or two. So, in the meantime, 27th, 28th, 29th. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.